0: Folks, welcome to Hey Adora, your Queer She-Ra podcast. I'm Force Captain to they them. And I'm Princess Jenny, she her. And we are here to discuss Season 1, Episode 4, Flowers for She-Ra, or... Party Kale is 55 bucks an eighth at your local dispensary.
1: Yeah!
0: Flowers for She-Ra was written by Josie Campbell, the head writer of the show.
1: Yes! Getting into the writers! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! The writers as a group, not just Noelle, our uber god. Although we love Noel, We
0: have an actual group of writers. That's how TV works. And now works. we're going to
1: get to know them.
0: Uh, storyboard is by Mark Camelbeck and Mandy Clothworthy and is directed by Leanne Hughes. So... Here we are. Here we are. We're the fourth episode. We're going to start meeting some princesses.
1: Oh my gosh. From Raz until now. Yeah. Things have really gotten real for us here at Hey Adora. You folks have really let us know that you're out there. You've let us know that you're listening in the US. You've let us know that you're listening all over the world. We and love you. We, we love every stinking one of you. It's amazing. We adore We adore you. <laughs> So here we are in Bright Moon. Glimmer is super psyched that her mom is letting Adora stay in Bright Moon. Adora, who can fully hear all of the I don't trust her whispers of every Bright Moon soldier they are passing by, is not sure it's going to be that awesome. They're literally being like, I don't know her, but I do not like her. Like, yeah. Like, fully in in her hearing range, yeah. right in front of her. She's walking down the hallway. She's really not sure. She's
0: like, oh, yeah, this is, like, totally awesome.
1: Yeah, I love it here. I'm totally at home. Um, Glimmer, of course, is completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. Her tour, that we can only imagine how overwhelming the whole tour of the whole castle must have been. But the tour is now ending here with Adora's new bedroom. It's a totally standard room for a fantasy castle. Exactly. No big deal. Just one waterfall.
0: Well, there's actually, so it's, um, there's your vanity, right? The bathroom. Mm -hmm. So you have your own private bathroom. Uh, crystals, your belt pull, so you can, you know, summon whomst ever. A teanook, there are more crystals than your bed, yes. your desk, and of course, your standard water feature. Because, you know, what what room is complete without a water feature?
1: What's a water feature? So a so
0: water feature is like the architectural term for any sort of, like decorative water like a fountain or a decorative waterfall yeah exactly one of those like a waterfall that serves no purpose exactly exactly it's like one of those like you know peeing cherubs or like (laughs) you know one of those that type of thing
1: things you don't normally see indoors things
0: you normally don't see indoors so this actually this description is My first nomination for We All Know That You Know That We Know. Or Gayest Moment. The Waterfall? No. The phrase crystals, teanook, more crystals. There is (laughs) nothing more bisexual than multiple places to put your crystals.
1: I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I... Trust me. You're not wrong. No, I don't have to trust you. This
0: is my life.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. Actually, I was... Eleven, when the first New Age bookstore opened up in our town. And my mom took me just to browse because it's like, hey, this is cool. We have this now. And they had all different kinds of crystals mm-hmm. lined up in separate bins. And they, you know, yep. listed what they all were and what the properties were. And I touched all of them because I was interested. And then in the car ride on the way home, I burst into tears for absolutely no reason. And I had no idea what was going on at all. So sensitive to the universe's vibrations. But I'm lucky to have a cool mom. And she pulled over and she said, honey, I'm so sorry. I should not have let you touch all of those crystals. That is all. That actually might be.
0: That story is the gayest moment. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, thank you. So Adora, Adora is like, is the waterfall for showering and Glimmer's like, oh! Yeah, still not taking the hint at all that Adora might be uncomfortable with these posh surroundings.
0: Exactly. This is something we first encounter in this show is Glimmer has class privilege. Glimmer is a rich kid.
1: I don't think it's only about privilege, though, because in the last episode, I believe, She also was totally oblivious about Adora being uncomfortable with her insistence that she transform into Shira right away in order for her mom to see her that way so that they wouldn't have any... She can just smooth over the, oh, hey, this is Shira, we need to keep her, and then later we could smooth out the Horde stuff. But it's better if you just meet her as Shira, and Adora wasn't very comfortable with that, but Glimmer was like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Glimmer has just kind of been oblivious to Adora's needs and feelings, She's centering her own expectations and her own point of view very strongly. That is, you know, again, like a sign of privilege.
0: And this, yes, and this does extend to that and vice versa. This reminds me of the time when I was talking to someone and they told me that their house had a gift wrapping room. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, when you have to buy somebody gifts, you know, because that is the expectation of this particular class culture, then you have a room to wrap your gifts in and i'm like whole room what i i had shared bedroom with my brother until i was 13 <laughs> yeah wow and you know it's that sort of like uh obliviousness
1: to yes exactly it's the obliviousness exactly. to experience and exactly to other people's experiences and it's not malicious no it's obliviousness is never malicious no
0: absolutely not uh it's 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 not good but it's not malicious And Adora is so very, very uncomfortable because she has never been comfortable.
1: Can I can I read you one, one funny line from my notes oh, pl- about this moment? Oh, please do. I wrote that Glimmer is oblivious to Adora's uncertainty and discomfort with things she has clearly never experienced or even seen in her wicked spot and upbringing. Wicked
0: spot and upbringing. It's true. It's yeah. true.
1: So, same song. Yeah, da, da, da. Yes. Credits, credits. Princesses, princesses. Adorable horde kids. Rawr. Rawr. Catch smirk. We all die.
0: We, we all died. I, I'm I'm dead. So Adora gets lost in the bed.
1: Yes. She's very intimidated by this luxurious bed. She basically, like, the bed is a person that's attacking her and the bed is winning. Yep. And then she kills the bed. Oops, bed is dead. And now poor Adora is wandering the castle at night, covered in feathers, whisper calling for glimmer because she can handle taking out an entire horde squadron single-handed, but she cannot handle sleeping alone in a room. Oh, We have never called out sweet baby Adora, but you know what? Like, she deserves it just as much as everybody else. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on. It's okay. It's okay to be comfortable, Adora. It's okay. You deserve it. And it's also okay to admit that you're freaked out on your first night. It's literally her first night ever in a new place. Yeah. And it's literally her first night ever sleeping in a bed without Katra.
0: Yes. So we go, we, we see Angela's there. And of course, little little yes. sweet baby Adora freaks out because she has no idea how to address her. She's
1: so cute and awkward and gay. And so gay. Ma'am, your highness, sir, uh, <laughs> wait. And I feel like her internal monologue at that moment is like, oh, do I have feathers on me still? Should I bow? I should bow. Do I know how to bow? <laughs> like she's like balancing precariously on one foot like she's in some kind of like hop suck contest i don't know she does have feathers on her still she
0: looks like she's playing charades very poorly she's like no don't you see i am a bird because i am covered in feathers and i am flying
1: (laughs) to me there's this vague sense that i can't quite put my finger on that there's this this awkward gayness it's like meeting the girlfriend's parents for the first time and wanting to make a good impression so badly that you end up looking stupid. Oh,
0: definitely. And it's definitely coded like, like that, too. It's definitely like, yes.
1: oh, hey, um, yeah, so I'm definitely not screwing your daughter. Nope. No, I was not coming from her room or going to her room at all. Nope, just uh, getting a glass of water. Maybe, maybe some cookies, just. Yeah, Angela is spending some quality time with the portrait of her dead hubs. Angela tells Adora, about how she and King Micah started the Princess Alliance together. And King Micah was one of the first casualties of the war with the Horde. And she looks at Adora and Adora feels so horribly guilty, even though she was like a tiny child when that happened. So of course she didn't know anything about it.
0: This is a really good segue into me trying to figure out what the fuck the timeline here is.
1: Oh my gosh, this is a hell math
0: vortex. Oh my God, this is a vortex of of algebra that goes way over my head. The numbers around this are bonkers bananas, if anybody wants to try to take some time and make a chart and figure this out, please do. But it has been... There was time for, for Hordak to build an empire, right? Like, Hordak had to build an yeah. empire. Angela and Micah had to ha- had to have had Glimmer, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And they started the Princess Alliance. Micah then was killed.
0: Did it, you know, quote, quote, kills. So we think. S- soon yes. after. Um, and then the Princess Alliance dissolved 10 years from the show.
1: Yes. That part we are pretty confident about because Glimmer was a young child mm-hmm. when... The last time she saw her father. Right. And she's roughly 16, 17 now. Yeah, so that means
0: that Angela's been grieving for quite a long time. Oh, yes. And her grief is wrapped up so much in guilt.
1: Yes, yes.
0: She feels guilty that she's essentially sent her husband to die. As we see throughout, Like this grief of hers is overpowering. Even throughout this episode, she's extremely reticent to let you know, her child go and start a rebellion because she is... She doesn't want to be culpable for the death of another family member.
1: Yeah. Also, right in this moment, like in the hallway, in the middle of the night, she's really hard on Adora. She super is. Because like, okay, back the fuck up, lady. Like, we love you, Queen Angela, but Adora already feels bad about it. Mm -hmm. She was a baby or a young child when that happened. She had nothing to do with it, obviously. And, you know, it's the middle of the night. This is her first night in a new place. She's freaked out, like back up a step. Yeah.
0: She is a character that is dictated by, by the past. Uh, and yes,
1: yes, very much.
0: No matter how far or how close the past was, she's still very, she's still very stuck there. It's very present to her. It's very present to her. And that dictates a lot of her interactions with Glimmer as well.
1: Yes, definitely, and especially um, the things you pointed out about how she's drawn in that style—that's more from the '70s and early '80s. That was very cool, and that is a really good point. Yeah, she's the older generation. She's an
0: immortal angel, so her time, her time frame is probably a little bit different
1: too. Yeah, that's true. Ten years is probably like ten minutes to her. Exactly. So like that, like it, it still just happened. It still just happened. Yeah, and that's something we're going to see her grapple with continually. Agreed. Can we talk about the art for a second?
0: Sure. So I love the art in Bright Moon and the portraiture art. Yes. it is super influenced by the first one portraitures. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's very angular. It's very first one. Whereas um, the portraitures of heroes specifically. So that's what you're seeing on the walls Yeah. at Bright Moon and in Plumeria when we see depictions of heroes, whether it be the Shira or whether it be... I don't think...
1: Oh, yeah, we do see some some cave-like yep. drawings in Plumeria. Those are very different, but yes. But it's still faceless. Yes, they're all
0: faceless. You know, particularly in Bright Moon, we have the similar style that is influenced by the first yes. ones. Yes,
1: yes, very much. And
0: what we see on the walls is, is uh, portraitures of dead heroes or heroes. Mostly, I'm going with dead heroes here, just for this. And they're taken from first one stylings of the faceless because... Okay.
1: I'll take that. Although I believe that some of the people in the war room on the walls are not dead, but we'll get there when we get there. Let's wait until we get to the war room to look at those images more deeply. Sure.
0: The point that I'm making here is that when they draw an elevated figure, it is drawn without a face because it is already elevated to the point of it being higher than Ethereum, higher than humanity. Yeah, that's true. We see that from the first ones. We see that carried on into Bright Moon.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right. Next morning, we're in Glimmer's room. Glimmer wakes up to see Adora curled up sleeping next to her. And for some reason, this freaks her out so bad that she screams and fully falls out of bed. (laughs) Like she screams for several seconds, I'm saying.
0: Yes, she does. It's ridiculous.
1: Get a grip, Glimmer. I know. And she fully falls out of her own bed. Yeah. Adora completely unravels like a big dork and she admits very awkwardly that she's never slept alone in a room before and she bumped into Queen Mom in the middle of the night and she's pretty sure she's on the royal shit list. So now finally Glimmer can achieve some actual human empathy and she's like, dude, my mom legit loves you. Yeah. Adora says she loves She-Ra. So Glimmer finally shows us that she is in fact capable of human empathy. And she reassures (laughs) Adora that her mom totally likes her because why else would she have invited Adora to the big war meeting?
0: Yeah, exactly. Why else would you invite She-Ra to the big war meeting? But poor poor Glimmer has her blinders on because she does really like Adora.
1: Of course, which is wonderful and sweet. And we love that. But now we're going to go straight into what I assume is the Bright Moon War Room. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was ever a room that had a different purpose and they're just meeting in there. Or is that like the war room? Uh,
0: It's kind of a Knights of the Round Table kind of jam, right? Yeah. It's that same thing. They're all, you know, all of the different people from the
1: Right, but there's a clear head of the table. I'm saying Angie and Micah ha- are the head of the table. Yes, because the I, so I believe the hierarchy
0: of the uh, kingdoms in Aetheria is that the other kingdoms, while are independent of each other and do not particularly swear fealty to Bright Moon, Bright Moon is kind of the linchpin kingdom. Yes, because they are the ones that are in touch with the moons, which are the celestial bodies that guide Aetheria.
1: I would say that that is correct. So now we're going to talk about that art because the first thing we see is the best friend squad walking in, Mm -hmm. but then we see what they are seeing, which is a huge mural going around this whole circular room with huge paintings in each little recessed area of some people, some of whom maybe we know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, It's almost like they have assigned seating. It's almost like they do. So who are all these people? Are they princesses with powers? They might be. Yeah. Also, did you notice that they're all lined up with the phases of the moon? No, that's sick! You didn't? No! Yes, yes. I'm sure some of our listeners also noticed that. And I was wondering if there was a specific correlation of how much power each of them were supposedly having with what phase of the moon they had, or if it's just like... It's random. And if if this is very egalitarian, maybe they all have the same amount of power and it's just balanced differently. I don't know, I don't know. Shoot
0: us your thoughts. Jenny, you just blew my fucking mind. Oh, that's one of my favorite things
1: to do. Oh, fuck, that's
0: so good. Now I gotta go back and look at it.
1: Oh, I think you should. I think you should. So the painting on the forest right, I don't recognize anyone, but in the next to forest right, I'm pretty sure I see Spinarella and Natasa and with Castispella standing behind them, which doesn't necessarily make sense, but that's what I see. Hmm. And then in the central one is Angela and Micah. Uh And then on the left, could that maybe possibly be Bo's dad? Oh. Which doesn't really make sense. Again, I recognize that, but you know, I I don't know who else those two men would be if if they're not Bo's dad. One of Bo's
0: dad's was a rebellion soldier. Oh, yeah. The one with the mustache.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so that's who I saw in those paintings. Maybe I'm totally wrong. If you have a better authority, listeners, on who was in each of those portraits, give us a shout. Give us a shout. We know you're out there. We know you have opinions and we know you have a lot of expertise. Yes. That's the joy. The joy of fandom is that everyone has different expertise. It's true. When we put it all together, yeah. we can geek out on like a higher level. On a
0: way higher level and not just watching it by yourself with your cat making fisting jokes.
1: Which is also fun. Which is fun. Yeah, my cat seems to like them. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, what cat doesn't like a good fisting joke? That's what I'm saying. So as soon as we establish all these paintings, the next thing that I'm noticing as they're walking by is look at all those empty chairs. Oh my gosh. And then look at all those pink crystal triangles on those empty chairs. That's my gayest moment nom number one is the gay ass fucking war room chairs. Gay ass war room. (laughs) They each one has a big pink triangle crystal. Fucking love it. On top. It's not just a two dimensional pink triangle. It's a pink triangle
0: crystal. I fucking love that.
1: Yeah, I thought you would. I thought you were gonna have that same nom. No,
0: no, that's fucking
1: great. Well, that's why there's two of us. It's
0: true. It's true. You notice the moon and the pink crystal shit, and I make up stuff about ships. It's great.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) You know a lot of cool details about shit that I don't know.
0: I do know a lot of weird shit, but I can't do basic math.
1: Well, it takes all types. But so, for real now, with the exposition, uh, Glimmer explains that all of those empty chairs are for the other Aetherian princesses but none of them have been active members of the Rebellion since she was a kid.
0: Right. Because we learn that the Alliance, just everybody kind of went, nope, F this, after that major, major defeat.
1: They had a big defeat years ago. Yep. We don't know specifically what happened. Right. Um, And now all the kingdoms keep to themselves.
0: Except for Spinnerella and Natasa.
1: (laughs) Yes. We meet Spinny and Natasa, and Bo... Says they don't really know what they do, which is bullshit because they both have awesome powers. They
0: both have really awesome powers. um Can I talk about yes, them? Yes, please
1: do. I don't know why Bo hasn't figured out what they do. Ugh, I please, know. all right. Please talk about them. So,
0: Spinnerel and Natasha are immediately depicted as a couple, like immediately. Um, like within the first like 20 seconds, not, not even like maybe five seconds of, of showing them, they are shown reaching for each other and grabbing each other when, you know, when Angela comes in and is like, you're sitting in my husband's chair, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there was an interview with Noelle yep. where, you know, one of the first things that Noelle noticed when they were watching the original series to kind of get a feel for what the show is, is that these two characters were never depicted separately and Noelle immediately clocked them as queer We're going to jump really quickly to the original series. So they both show up in the original series uh, in an episode where they introduce... So they pretty much just have one, one episode where they're introduced. And they're introduced together. And they're introduced together as best friends that are on vacation together. And they're just going out to get a bite to eat together. Oh, my God. As being best friends that just happen to go on vacation together. Best friends
1: on vacation together.
0: Sure. Sure. Like you do. So gay in the original series. Mm -hmm. So they are immediately depicted uh, visually as a uh, married couple in the show. So we learn that there's a marriage tradition in Ethereum. This is something that the writers came up with to symbolize marriage in case they couldn't be explicit with the queerness oh so and this was this has been said uh in interviews with a couple of the storyboard artists and the writers and noel Spinnerell and Natasha are wearing ribbons of each other's colors they're they've switched ribbons you can see it's their necklaces their choker oh. ribbons yep so you, it's signified to be a sign of marriage first developed in character development to show that they are married by wearing an article of each other's clothing Nice. Or an accessory associated with them. So, uh, Angela and Micah, when you've seen them, they are sharing earrings. Spoiler. Bow and Glimmer in Future Vision are wearing same earrings. George and Lance wear matching uh, matching colors on their trim. And, of course, the big one here is Catra uh, and Adora. Wherever you have Future Vision Catra and Adora, Catra is wearing Adora's Rebellion pin. And Shira manifests Catra's mask. That's right. So, this is an established trope. So, this is already signifying cool. with the costuming and the design that these two characters are married.
1: That's cool. They wives. They wives, yes. I mean, they're absolutely your cool, well-adjusted gay aunts. I know. Oh, I... Who everyone comes to for advice. I like them so much. Yeah, I think that they are the cool gay aunts that like, everyone comes to when they have a fight with their parents and they're like, I can't go home tonight. I'm going to stay with my aunts. They're like, have some tea. Did you bring your favorite crystals? Yes. Yes. How can we center you before bed? <laughs> but they would make sure that your parents actually know where you are. Yeah, Exactly. Because they are the responsible adults that are still young enough to be cool. They're so cool. Oh, I know we love them. And we did. I mean, everyone knows this, but we did say that Spinarella is voiced by Noelle. Yes.
0: So Spinarella is
1: voiced by showrunner Noelle Stevenson.
0: Yes. But we don't actually hear their voices until uh, later in the
1: series. Yes, it's true. They are very much um, side characters for the brunt of the first several seasons. Yes. Oh, and also we should mention that Spinnerella is also thick. She's thick. She has an awesome body that is not a twiggy body. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. She's powerful. She's powerful. She's tall. She's tall
1: and thick. Yeah. They both have awesome powers. Yeah. I love their powers, but we're not going to see them for quite a while. We're not going to
0: see their powers for a while, but you know. Yes. Let's talk about Natasa.
1: Yes, let us talk about Natasa because we love Spinnerella and we love Natasa equally. They are amazing as a couple. And also Natasa is the only dark skinned BIPOC character on the show. True and was the only um, the only black character on the original show. So you know it's like when you're coming at it from a perspective of just having seen this show, it kind of you know hackles my feathers or whatever the term is. First of all, why should there only be one dark skinned black character? Right, because you know Bo is very light skinned, mm-hmm. and um, Lonnie, who we adore, we love you, Lonnie, is also fairly light skinned. Yes, with green eyes. And, you know, who are we two white people to judge how black is black? That's not what I mean to say. And that's not for us to say either. Right. And so if there's only going to be one dark skinned black character to have her also be so tokenized, Rankles a little. Yeah, exactly. And she is a total badass. And when she gets to shine, she's amazing. Totally. She protects the rebels when she's the last adult standing, basically, when it comes down to it. Yeah when the space team is off in space having space adventures. She's the last adult standing on Etheria.
0: Yep, she's generally the last adult standing. I mean, even in Battle for Moons, we're going to get to.
1: Yeah. All right, so gosh, poor Adora
0: is just making all the mistakes, right?
1: Yeah, she's having a real time. She
0: doesn't, know. she doesn't know her arse from her elbow.
1: Well, she doesn't know that she's sitting in Dad's chair. Yeah, it's an empty chair. It's literally her first day in Bright Moon. Yeah. She went to bed... The sun is up. This is her first day. She's invited to a meeting. Yeah, Nobody tells her where to sit. Nobody
0: tells her where to sit. She sits in Micah's chair and uh, that does not happen. Nobody sits in Micah's chair.
1: No. And of course, instead of just saying to her, don't sit there, everyone just looks at her in, in horror. Yep. You know, like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Don't do that. Like just, it's all in the face. Nobody says anything.
0: Yeah, cool. Good job communicating boundaries, princesses.
1: Yes, maybe they have some work to do as a group on communication. I think they really need to work that out.
0: So we're back at Bright Moon. Angela's like, all right, you know what? Adora moves. Angela's like, let's just move on with this fucking meeting. Mm -hmm. And says that they've received a distress call from Princess Perfuma.
1: Princess Perfuma of Plumeria. Who? What? Where's that? Who is that? we're going to meet today. We're going to meet new princesses. And she asked for help. Because the Horde was laying siege to her kingdom. Laying siege to her kingdom. And- Who can imagine how scary and stressful it must be to be under siege? My God, Meth, can you imagine? I, not at all.
0: I, I cannot imagine that in the slightest.
1: No. And Jealous says they will provide food and humanitarian aid only. Yep. Because as we know, she's too scared to fight. She doesn't want anyone else to die. Yep. So that means she doesn't fight, which is not a great strategy. Glimmer points out that if they don't fight the Horde, there won't be anything left to defend soon enough. True.
0: And we need to point out that Plumeria is located on the front lines. Yes. So they are very close to actual Horde camps and places where the Horde is encroaching. And Angela is 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 saying, we are not going to fight them.
1: Right. She's not ready to accept the thought that that is what's going to happen. Correct. And she says,
0: hell no, because Glimmer is like, oh, I got a great idea.
1: And Angela knows that this is the same idea that Glimmer
0: has every week. Yep. And Glimmer's like, no, no, no. Listen, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say aggressive fist to face sparkles, which I love that line.
1: I know. Also, I have an honorable mention gayest moment here. Is
0: it fist to face sparkles?
1: No. Shockingly, it is not. It is Queen Mom. When she puts her foot down, I said no and she whips her wings out. (laughs) That was hot. Yeah,
0: that was pretty hot.
1: I'm sorry. That was really hot. And anything that I think is hot is inherently implicitly gay because I have learned over the years to trust my gaydar. My gaydar never lies. I'll allow it. Thank you. But it's still just an honorable mention. So Angela's
0: like, no, fuck that noise. Sit your ass down. We're not fighting. But then Adora
1: jumps in, obviously looking to smooth things over. She feels like she's doing terrible so far. She wants to smooth over everything that's happening and make a better impression. So she, she suggests that Angela send her bow and glimmer. She says she'll go as she to make sure everyone's safe. And she'll protect them if the Horde attacks. She super duper promises she will not disappoint you, Queen Mom.
0: Yep, she's not going to disappoint anybody. Oh, because she knows that everybody loves she
1: Exactly. And she really is putting a lot of pressure on herself to be perfect. To be she And to make sure, to be Shira, and to make sure that everyone feels they can count on her. Yep.
0: But not Adora. Well, because she
1: only feels confident as Shira. ra
0: She only feels confident that people like her as She-Ra.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's most of it. So Queen Angela finally gives in, but no fighting, kids. No fighting.
0: Wow. I wonder if they are going to obey those orders.
1: I suppose there is no way to know. Now we're in the Fright Zone with our favorite horde kids. Lonnie, Kyle, and Rahelia <sighs> are training in the danger room. Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Lonnie. And they're getting beat pretty bad. And they are wondering where the fuck Katra is. Where's Katra? Of course, she waltzes in right on cue. Yep as if they have summoned her, mm-hmm. with her Force Captain's badge, cocky as fuck. Cocky
0: as fuck. And this mirrors the first scene where, uh, this, this mirrors the scene in the first episode where Lonnie's like, where's Katra? She's supposed to be here. And Katra Ca- does the same thing. She saunters in only this time. She saunters in with a promotion. No.
1: Yes, that is true. But the only person who asks where Katra is in the first episode is Adora. Lonnie answers. Oh, that's right. And her answer is, her answer is like, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. It's
0: definitely a thing that, like, people are like, where the fuck's Catra? And she just shows up. It's like,
1: yep. what's good? She shows up when she feels like it. Yep. Dear, sweet, dumb Lonnie. Cadet Lonnie. Taps yep. badge. Flashing her badge. Now Shadow Weaver won't be the only one. Dot, dot, dot. Right. I'm surprised they didn't write,
0: who's right behind me.
1: Right. But you know how it feels. If you've yeah. ever had this happen where you're talking about someone, maybe in a negative way, Maybe. And the looks on people's faces let you know that the person is actually right behind you. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so there's Shadow Weaver right behind Katra. Mm. Shadow Weaver marches Catra back into the locker room and asks her again where Adora is. Catra has had enough of this question. It's
0: more blaming Katra for Adora's right. choices because that's Shadow right. Weaver's favorite thing to do.
1: Oh, yeah. Katra is going to be tied to Adora's choices in the eyes of Shadow Weaver forever. Forever. Yep. She cannot be her own woman. Which fucking sucks. She's trying to make her own choices. She's trying to accept that Adora left her behind and live her own life. But it's like the universe, a.k.a. Shadow Weaver, will not let her do that. Yep.
0: And so Katra's like, ugh, I've told you everything I know about Adora.
1: Shadow Weaver knows she's lying. Katra insists. She's not. Oops, maybe you should take down that drawing, though. Do you want to tell us what that drawing is, Matt? I will. So there is a drawing on
0: Catra's Locker of She-Ra on Swiftwind.
1: Yes, an adorable, childish drawing. And Adora is waving the sword joyfully, and they are riding under a goddamn motherfucking rainbow. They're riding under a
0: goddamn motherfucking rainbow. And... It's implied, of course, that Catra drew that drawing because she rips it down and is like, know, not me.
1: Yeah, I mean, who else would draw a drawing of She-Ra and put it on Catra's locker?
0: Exactly, because Catra's the only one that has encountered She-Ra. So I do have a little fun fact about this. Oh, please. So that was not actually in the script. That was something the storyboard artists put in. Oh, they were just like, it. they were like, you know what? This needs to be gayer.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, because that's what everybody on the show just did. They were like, you know what? This could be gayer.
1: Yes. See, that's what we're talking about. Teamwork. Teamwork makes
0: everything gayer. It does. It makes the dream work. And the dream is being gayer. Thank you, Team Gay. So yeah, so that was, that was uh, done by the storyboard artists.
1: Yes. Fantastic. So Shadow
0: Weaver says, I know you're lying. What happened to Adora? And Catra says, mm-hmm. what did I do? She left us. She left me. Mmm. Do you ever think Adora is not as loyal as you thought? So this is kind of a compounded gay moment, right? Because Katra rips down the drawing and then says she left me. That is true. This is the next gayest moment, and it is Katra in the locker room denying her love for Shira by ripping down posters and saying that she left me.
1: Yes, but then something interesting happens with Shadow Weaver. Yep. We see that Shadow Weaver is, as usual, pissed at Katra. What else is new? Right. And then she's, you know, once again, like, oh, bitch, I'm going to take you down with my big, scary shadows. She's, you know, the wrapping around you kind of shadows. It yep. looks like I might choke you out with these shadows. But yep. then something happens and all her power just like sucks back into her head and she is weakened. And she actually falls to the floor and she makes some sort of like, oh, like gasping noise. And so Katra is really confused. And when I say that Katra is confused, I mean that she's confused about how to feel. Not that she's confused about what just happened. Like, she's not sure, like, should I help? Should I kick her in the face? Should I run away? And of course, because she's a good person at heart, her first instinct is, okay, I'm gonna try to help. And then of course, Shadow Weaver is a bitch, smacks her hand away and runs off. That's how that scene ends. Sorry, I usually never use bitch as a pejorative, especially against women, but Shadow Weaver is the exception. Shadow
0: Weaver is the exception. Shadow Weaver is the yeah. bitch exception. I, we yes. all get like two, and that's what, that's, I agree.
1: Yeah. But now let's go to Plumeria. Oh, Plumeria. It's so pretty. It's bucolic as fuck. Yes. It's, everybody's all cute and hippy dippy, but uh-oh, all the plants are dying. Oh no. And Adora has already transformed into Shira before entering because she promised Queen Angela that she would. Plus, people like me better as She-Ra than Adora.
0: Yep. And she's being such a dumb fucking jock here. <laughs>
1: yep. Adora could not uh, lift a cart over her head with one hand. And we're like,
0: you're such a dumb fucking jock, Adora. We love yep. you.
1: But she's enjoying it. So now that's helping her feel confident. Yep. And she's connecting with the power of She-Ra. So she... Adora
0: is confident in... Uh, we see Adora's confidence in She-Ra comes from the physical power. Because Adora is a physical person. She is. Um, She's she's a trained soldier. And she's very comfortable with the fighting and the lifting and the doing aspects of the She-Ra uh, mantle.
1: That's true. And, you know, she's just comfortable making sure, like, everyone... Is gonna feel comfortable and confident and safe now because they see the Shira yes. and how
0: strong the Shira exactly. is. Exactly. They see a physical strength.
1: Yes. And Bo notices right away, before they even meet anyone, a suspicious plume of smoke coming from somewhere over yonder, perhaps where the horde is laying siege. But there's no time to investigate that, because it's time to meet somebody. Who do we meet? A princess? A princess? A princess who is pretty hippy dippy yeah. and maybe has long blonde hair and maybe looks like she might want to accompany you to some music festivals? Totally. It's Princess Perfuma. Aww. She makes flowers. Yeah. And uh, when we meet her, you know, she she doesn't think anything else of her power other than that. She's like, boom, here's a flower. Here we go. Hey. That's what she thinks.
0: Oh, sweet baby Perfuma. Can we talk Perfuma and uh, can we talk of canon course. for a second? Of course, we must. One of the interesting things, one of the really unique things is they're very engaged with the fans to the point where particular things become canonical when the creators say them on the internet, which is mm-hmm. a very interesting way- to understand, build, and interpret the text. The text of she and the Princess of Power goes uh, beyond the text of the television show. Um, it is hypertextual in that it is also informed by uh, things that the creators say, uh, original drawings of the creators, interviews with the creators. Um, yep, yep, all true. Noelle specifically made playlists that illustrated the internal emotional landscapes of the characters that she released are, are she, they, he. All correct. All correct. Uh, Noelle uses all pronouns during the, I think, second or third season. Um,
1: Gosh, what a cool idea. Yeah, playlists, you
0: yeah. say. That's where I got the idea, folks. Um, yeah, it works. Yeah, so the playlists that Noelle released are canon.
1: Yeah, I mean, that kind of fan engagement really speaks Noelle's roots. Yes.
0: But Noelle's interaction as a fan and with the fans is very informed by being a fan.
1: Absolutely. So
0: let's take it back to Perfuma. So what does this have to do with Perfuma? So uh, Ray Geiger, who was uh, one of the character designers for the show, they designed secondary characters, said on their Tumblr, which has since been removed, that uh, Perfuma was designed with the intention of being a trans woman. But Geiger also stated in this same post that they regret that they never shared the intent with anybody. So right. somebody could have been written into the con- canon about it because they didn't think it was going to fly.
1: They were afraid to push it too far because there's so much gay in the show. Because there
0: was so much that they were trying to push through. And I, I, I hate that that's the type of thing where you have to sacrifice one for the other.
1: Yeah. But you know, we we do live in reality, and this is the time and place that we're at, and you know, it sucks, but it is true. So this was
0: something that they did. They may have communicated it with other people, but you know, they said they didn't share. They didn't share the intent.
1: No, and I think if they had, they would have had a trans actress voice perfuma. Exactly,
0: when you know there is a trans uh, character, uh, multiple trans characters that are actually uh, depicted, they do hire cast and allow trans actors to perform yes so this character was designed with the intention of being a trans woman and one more point to this which is why pretty much anybody i know including myself headcanons perfume as a trans woman is uh is this tweet from 2000 uh from june 2nd in 2019 uh from a fan that said perfume is a trans lesbian and there's nothing you can do about it and noelle liked the tweet Yes, that is extraordinarily tenuous, but it is a sign off technically. I think so. From the creator of the character. Absolutely. And since we are using these sorts of this hypertextual understanding of the text and of canon, it is an endorsement for that particular interpretation of the character.
1: We love Perfuma. We love Perfuma. Everyone's entitled to their interpretation of Perfuma. Absolutely. And then we have our gayest... Nomination number three, gayest moment. We all know that you all know that we know that Perfuma has a massive hero crush on the She-Ra. Massive crush. Just Oh my god.
0: Who is this hot blonde lifting carts above their head? Here to save us all. Look, oh it's the She-Ra. Literally swoons. The way
1: her eyes like glisten and like they actually like quiver in their little sockets. Yeah. And the way, like the the sky behind her, turns pink and bubbly, the same way it did when Adora was gazing upon the horse for the first time.
0: Yeah, no, Perfuma definitely has a crush on Adora. It's er, oh, I know, on Shira. I know. Yeah, no, yes, not Adora, Shira, not on Adora, on Shira.
1: And then also wrapped into that gaze moment, we have to also include Shira's wholesome lesbian hero smile. Yes, <laughs> with the <laughs> yes, teeth and the sparkle, Bing! like. That just wraps it up with a bow. Oh, yeah. Hey, ladies. Ding. Yes, exactly. That was a hey, exactly. ladies.
0: That is a hey, ladies yeah. smile.
1: Yep, absolutely. But it's not even hey, ladies in a bar. It's like, hey, ladies, I'm here to uh, get your hay in the barn yeah. and <laughs> chop your chop your wood. Exactly. And get the fire going. <laughs> hey, ladies, do you need help you with know. your car? <laughs> yes, yes, it's, that's what it is. Exactly. It's that. It's something, something more along the, those lines. And separate from that, moving beyond that, that is a super gay moment. Um I want to make note from last week when we were discussing whether there are any signs of a religion on Etheria. Mm-hmm. So since Perfuma says specifically that the universe has heard our pleas and sent us the shira to help us save our home, she doesn't say god or the gods or the goddesses or anything else. She just says the universe. Right. So that's another notch in the Etheria has no religion camp.
0: Yeah. But I think you may have mentioned this earlier, but she's also definitely the type of person that would say that, like, on Earth, you know?
1: Yeah, she's a massive hippie. She's a massive hippie. She's me at 15, basically. Oh my god, she's me never. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. Um, And also, she is a lot more powerful than she is comfortable admitting to herself. She's afraid of her power, but she really is very powerful.
0: She's very, very powerful. So Perfuma gives everybody the, the grand tour of Plumeria. Once again, fucking bucolic.
1: Adora realizes awkwardly that she's not actually very comfortable with all this attention, but she kind of rolls with it. And babies keep sticking to her. Yep. You know she handles it pretty well.
0: Yeah, she handles, but she's definitely like, "What? Why?" Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Yeah, exactly. There's a, exactly. Lo- there's a lot of that. There's a lot of
1: yes. They're shown around the beautiful kingdom where they've lived in tranquility, and they're known for their beautiful flowers, which are dying, and majestic trees, which are also dying. Mm-hmm. But then the heart blossom
0: which is just like the it's the rune stone it's just like the mo- the yes. the
1: one in, in bright
0: moon the moonstone yes
1: it is the home of the rune stone it is the
0: home of the rune stone it is where perfuma the princess gets her magical princess powers
1: yes P.S. not dying. Yes. Okay, but why is everything else dying? And Perfume is like, I don't know, we're getting through a,
0: a little bit of a rough patch, but the universal right itself soon. Yeah, we don't dwell on the negative. We don't dwell on the negative, man. So just forget about yeah. it. Yeah, to which I wrote, denial is a river in Egypt, not Ethereum. <laughs> ha ha, I'm clever. But then perfume is like we don't dwell on the negative. But okay, fine. The you know all this shit happened when the horde showed up. But it's fine. We're not negative. You know the heart blossom's still healthy. The
1: Shira's here. And the Shira, the Shira is here. The Shira's
0: here. And then they have a little hippie dance party.
1: And the celebration's about to begin. And Glimmer and Bo and Shira are like, what? Because this doesn't seem like a great time for a celebration. And I wrote, ugh, hippies. Yeah. I mean, that's the downside. That's the downside of hippies. Yes.
0: (laughs) Emphatically not hippies. Cut yeah. to. No,
1: I mean, it's not a great time <laughs> to be celebrating when everything's dying and the Horde is laying siege to your kingdom. Right. And you're literally just like, blah, 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 blah. Everything's fine. We don't dwell on the negative. We focus on yeah. the
0: positive. The universe will help us out. We don't need to do yeah. anything. We have yeah, she so Sometimes the
1: universe helps you by helping you help yourself. Yes. Yes. But yes, as you just said, back to some people who are emphatically not hippies. Back in the fright zone. And oh man, what's Shadow Weaver doing? Shadow Weaver's having a fit of the vapors. Yep. My friend.
0: Definitely. Like
1: old school. Yeah. She's like practically staggering to one of those like Freudian couches to faint on, but she doesn't have one of those. She does not have a fainting couch. She's just staggering into the black garment chamber, black garnet chamber, I believe, Um, because just like Glimmer, she has to recharge her powers. Yep. She needs to find the black garnet and get juiced. But the Black Garnet seems like it doesn't like her today. And I don't know if this has happened before. I'm not sure if we're ever shown whether or not this is a regular occurrence or whether this is like never happened before.
0: It's true. We don't really get that. All we see is that all of a sudden she can't get the power from it that she usually has.
1: Yes. But now dad's home and he's pissed. Oh, dad's home. What a jerk. Boo.
0: Womp womp. You have disobeyed my orders. Oh, I've done no such thing. My will -uh. is your will. I'm, no, I'm your girl, totally. Yeah, which you can hear the seething through the mask on that. Oh my god. Shadow Weaver is a creature of power.
1: Her ass-kissing voice is, like, terrible.
0: Yep, and Shadow Weaver doesn't, Shadow Weaver only cares about power. At this point, we only see Shadow Weaver focusing on power, holding power over people and having literal magical powers.
1: And Adora. She's super focused on Adora. I mean, do we really think the only reason she's so focused on Adora is because she really believes they need Adora to complete their mission? I, we don't know that answer yet. Because it's it seems like such a distraction at this point. She's she's spending a lot of resources, a lot of Horde resources trying to track down this one AWOL soldier. And
0: Hordak's like, why the fuck are you doing this?
1: Why? Why are you wasting more company time and resources hunting for one AWOL soldier? And just like, get back to your real fucking job of conquering the planet. How about that?
0: And either Shadow Weaver is obsessed in this really weird weird way which we don't
1: well she is well she is
0: she's totally obsessed in a weird way but we don't know if she knows something all we know is that this is creepy for everybody involved
1: shadow weaver is stubborn as fuck yep and says adora is crucial to the success of their mission exposition time hordak tells shadow weaver very clearly and all of us that the horde's mission is to destroy the whispering woods so they can finally march on bright moon destroy the princesses and the rebellion so get your shit together and P.S. Finish off Flamiria already. What?
0: Yeah. And uh, one of the big things in villainous exposition dump that we get here is that I gave you your magical power and at my slightest mm-hmm. whim, I can take it away.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. That's very complicated and we will unravel that at a later date. The second the screen turns, she's like, yes, Lord Hardak, I'm your bitch, Lord Hardak. Yeah.
0: The second the screen turns off, she's like, Dah! she does the villainous throwing shit and the screaming and
1: yes oh my god her scream is fantastic it's fantastic that's the one fantastic thing shadow Weaver has to offer us is that scream it's true and now we're back in plumeria and the plumerians just want to celebrate shira so they decide to celebrate shira by trying to feed her all the food she just brought them so they can survive the siege
0: yep and they're like nah man listen we're just gonna party it's cool
1: and she's like no no like you need this a lot more than we do it is our honor to serve the Sheer. Yeah,
0: the old hippie lady, like, destroys yep. me.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And they really do a great job showing how old hippies are more wrinkled than other old people because yes. they're just out in the sun all day. Because they're just out in the sun all day yep, in, the, in their yep. garden. I have experience in this area. I have spent more than my fair share of time on lots of intentional communities. Yes, you have. I have. You know I have. I know you
0: have. But also, also, dear listeners, <laughs> Jenny absolutely has.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's true. Like, old hippies are more wrinkly than other old people. It's true. So there, are But there's also old people that have spent too much time tanning, and they're the wrinkliest of all. It's true.
0: But these old hippies are like, no, it's cool, man. We're just going to party. This is great. Yes, the universe yes. gave
1: you us. The universe will give us more stuff and perfuma is just so happy that after all these centuries shira is finally here and in the hour of their greatest need yeah. oh it's the She-Ra, right it's the shira this is when
0: perfuma and this is probably my favorite part of the episode <laughs> and it's such a throwaway line but so this is when perfuma tells the three graces because it, it, they are framed like that it's it's kind of hilarious to break out the party kale oh yes and it's a throwaway line but my dumpstoner ass just like glommed onto it and I was like, okay, cool. So they're breaking out the party kale. And then what I wrote was <clears throat> the party kale is a sativa heavy hybrid that takes eight to twelve weeks to flower and is energizing, socializing, and plant bending. It's weed, people. Party kale nice. is weed. I will take oh, this to of the, course it is. I will take this to the grave. Perfuma is like, let's bust out the ganj. Sure. Let's sit around and tell stories.
1: I mean, I'm not voting against that. That is
0: one thing I agree with hippies on.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we agree on a lot of things when it comes to weed. Yeah, it's true. Weed <laughs> brings us all together. It's the great uniter. It is
0: the great uniter. And you know that perfume has got some dank buds uh, in Plumeria. Yes. But
1: yeah. And also, that's good for storytelling, like you said, yeah. because girl, Adora, don't you know about the thousands of years of stories about your heroic ass? Yeah, No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. And then Bo's like, oh, yeah, I got some new ones for you. Right. And he starts adding stories to the pile, some true stories at first, and then a story that's definitely not true. Plus, she defeated two Horde armies with his toothbrush. Yep. Shira is not looking to add any more pressure of any more true or possibly true from a different Shira or definitely false stories of heroic deeds onto people's expectations of her. She's very clear. She's like, oh, that's not true. But nobody wants to hear that. They just want to hear awesome stories about She-Ra and give,
0: give She-Ra things like wind chimes, which, of course, She-Ra has no idea what wind chimes are.
1: Right. She's never had anything decorative in her wicked spot in upbringing.
0: Yeah, it's great. And then all of a sudden you hear kabooms.
1: Yes. More smoke.
0: But Perfuma is still talking about maybe we can heal. the. Hey, maybe you can actually do the thing and heal the land. Do you want to do it before the drum circle or after? Before the drum circle or after? Like, it's just like, okay, so listen, we're going to heal the land. We're going to have a drum circle. It'd be great.
1: Oh, no we. No we, young no. Padawan.
0: When are you? When are you going to heal our land?
1: Yes. Super cat. And she was like,
0: what? Heal?
1: This is a thing? This is a, a thing that I know how to do? Yes. This I- is a thing I know. I know how to do. I know how to do this.
0: And, yes. And, you know. Glimmer's like, once again, oh, Ah, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be easy, bruh. Hmm.
1: Once again, Glimmer is making super supportive, grandiose promises on her behalf. She thinks she's being supportive, but she's actually not being supportive at all because she's not consulting Adora. And
0: Adora, well, She-Ra, but Adora She-ra. is, wait, no, actually, okay, hold on a second. Maybe using magic to heal the land isn't as easy as we think it is. And also, look, there's something happening over there. There's smoke. There is an explosion. There's smoke
1: and booming happening over there, where the horde is laying siege to your village.
0: Right. Maybe we should go check out the material thing that is happening. Maybe we should. That, and then people are like, "No, I'm not actually strong enough to do that. I just want to live peacefully." Yeah.
1: Perfume is like, "Girl, I grow, I grow flowers." Yeah. She just wants to live peacefully in her ancestral home but not actually do any work to make that happen. She just wants, they just want Shira to save them already. They
0: just want Shira to save them. um, And she is giving up uh, self-determination for a savior, essentially.
1: Yes, that's, you know, certainly the easy way out. Yep.
0: Oh, totally is. And sweet baby Adora barely has a grasp on her Shira powers, but has like no, like,
1: yeah, I mean she didn't even know that healing was healing a sheer power was a thing, yeah, until this moment. Yeah. But she can't disappoint people?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because when she picked up the sword, it wasn't saying, "Oh, you can heal." It was just like, "Oh, hey, so you can fight." And Adora's like, "Cool, I'm a soldier. I already know how to fight." So I can definitely do that.
1: It was just like power. Which is one
0: question, and we don't have to go on like a rambling thing about it, but I do want to put a pin in it, is that different? do different She-Ras, do different women that carry the She-Ra mantle, bring particular understandings to the She-Ra that manifest differently? So because Adora was a soldier, was it easier for her to access the power part versus other She-Ras who may have been healers? Would it have been easier for them to initially access the healing part?
1: That's a very cool question and I'm sure worth looking into, but I don't think we have enough information right now. We don't. So it's worth putting a pin in. It's a very cool question. Yeah. So they go off behind some trees to try to practice the healing. I'm sure it'll only take a minute or two, right? Yeah,
0: totally. To learn how to heal. How hard is it going to be?
1: Right. So Adora's concentrating. Again, she puts all her best effort into everything. She's earnest Adora. Yeah. Aww. And she's also earnest when she's Shira. She's really, really trying. She's blowing holes in all of the trees that she's trying to heal. But she does succeed in making a swift wind lizard.
0: <laughs> I have my notes. What happened to Rainbow Lizard? I want an Adventures of Rainbow Lizard.
1: I know, like we never see that little rainbow lizard again.
0: And Beau was like, wait, is that what happened to our horse? Which is a nice little throwaway.
1: Yes, yes. So she tries super hard, but nothing is helping. Now the heart blossom is dying too. Yeah, Things are looking really bad
0: for Plumeria. And Adora is like, these people expect me to save their land. I thought I was better as She-Ra, but I'm useless no matter what form I take.
1: Mm-hmm. We're like, no. I know. It's, it's very sad. Adora's sad. Because everyone expects her to just save them by herself. By
0: herself as she And because She-Ra mm-hmm. can't do it, that means, well, if She-Ra can't do it, that means Adora then definitely nobody can. can't do it. And if Adora can't do it, then she's useless. Right.
1: I know. She's very, very hard on herself. She transforms back into herself in front of the Plumerians. Yep.
0: And they're like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. (laughs) Where's She-Ra?
1: I want to make a quick note. The one person who says she's just a girl is the same old lady mm-hmm. who said it is our honor to serve the She-Ra. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really think that the old lady saying she's just a girl is not meant to be a gendered comment, really, mm-hmm. at all. She has never been referred to in a gendered way before. Right. And because, you know, she was still a girl as She-Ra. Mm-hmm. I really took that as like, oh, she's just some teenage kid. Yeah, I did as well.
0: I did as well. Yeah.
1: Especially because it
0: comes right after Adora saying, I carry the sword of She-Ra. Yes. Um, you know, my name is I Adora. I was chosen,
1: chosen to carry the sword I was chosen to carry the
0: sword. I haven't been doing this very long. I don't really know how it works. And then she's like, oh, she's just a kid. Exactly. And, you know, this is kind of the thesis of the episode. Adora's like, I am she I'm just not the same She-Ra.
1: Yes. So as they're having this discussion about how sad and disappointed they are, there's a big boom from that big smoke. All the Plumerians are crying and giving up and hugging each other because it's over, man. Yeah.
0: And Perfuma's like, wait, so you're as Adora, says to Adora, you can't save us. And then there's an explosion and Adora is like, yo, wait, hold on.
1: But Perfuma's not ready to hear it. Nope. She says... If Shira can't save us, no one can. We're still alive. We can rebuild. Which means they're abandoning the Heart Blossom. She's abandoning her runestone, which means she's abandoning the root of her powers. But they haven't even tried to fight. They haven't
0: even tried. And Perfuma says, you know, we believe the universe will repay the Horde for their deeds eventually. So there's once again, like, she's just kind of like, it's not a live and let live. It's not like there's nothing more that I can do type of thing. It's literally just giving up and being like somebody else needs to solve my problem
1: she's just existing basically yeah
0: and glimmer's glimmer does not have this because glimmer is a punk and has like no tolerance
1: for hippies yeah no no glimmer is not just existing thank you very much
0: glimmer's like uh the universe doesn't protect you you want Sheer to fix shit but you can't even try you know at least adora's Mm -hmm. trying you goddamn hippies be useful
1: yeah, absolutely. But even, you know, Perfuma can't hear it. She's not nope. ready to hear it. The Plumerians, they start to get ready to like abandon camp. I mean, it's not camp, it's their kingdom, but it's also just like the forest. They don't have a lot of packing to do, I don't think. So while they are doing that, Adora is talking with uh, Bone Glimmer. And she is apologizing to them. She feels like such a gigantic failure after Bo and Glimmer talked her up so much, Mm -hmm. which she should not be sorry. And Bo, who is Mr. Emotional Intelligence says that they are the ones who should be sorry, which is correct. They should. They just wanted to be supportive. They wanted everyone to see what an awesome person she is. Yeah. And Bo says it as explicitly as anyone could possibly say it. He says, I thought I was being supportive, but really I was being terrible. Yeah.
0: He gets it. He does. And then Glimmer comes in and is like, she was not the reason we like you, Adora. You're our friend. Mm -hmm. And then I soften up on Glimmer a little bit because I'm like, all right, all right, Glimmer.
1: Of course, because it's true. It is true. It is true. Um, she's oblivious in terms of the way she expresses herself sometimes and about other people's conditions of reality, but she's not manipulative. No,
0: she's not. Yeah. And she's definitely like, you know, from the first couple of episodes to now, Glimmer's definitely been like, no, you're our friend.
1: Exactly. But fear not. Adora still has a plan.
0: Adora has a plan.
1: Yes, not Sheera. Adora has a plan because, as you said, Adora has knowledge and skills. Yes. That she brings to the Sheera.
0: Yep. And Adora's knowledge and skills are the skills of a trained soldier, the skills mm-hmm. of a trained tactician, mm-hmm. and the skills of a person that grew up in the Horde, whoops, they may be battling right now. I think maybe Adora can take her, her skills here and uh, do some help in here. So she tells yes. her, she tells everybody how horde camps work. Well, she's, she and Bo and
1: Glimmer sneak into the horde camp. Yes, I jumped the gun. In their horde disguises, which is fantastic. Yeah,
0: by the way, um, I have in my notes here, Adora in horde armor, heavy panting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heavy panting, thumbs up to heavy panting. And so they find the machine that is pumping poison into the Plumerians' land. Yep. Who would have thought that there was a connection between those giant plumes of smoke in the siege-laying Horde camp and the death of all the plants in the kingdom? I
0: would not have put those two things together, which is why Adora is a valuable member of this team.
1: Indeed, she is. Meanwhile, this is a meanwhile. Back in Plumeria, while the best friend squad is scoping out the horde camp, the flower child dude bro gives Perfuma the note from Adora saying that they went to the horde camp to find the weapon poisoning their trees and apologizing for not being the perfect hero that she wanted. Mm hmm. And Perfuma finally hears it. She says, I mean, you know, it's a little too easy, but you know, it's a half hour show. We don't have all day. Yeah, I
0: thought that too. Perfuma
1: says she's still trying, even though we were so negative. Everyone, we have to help. Get the war chimes. Okay. So PS, for what reason could these people possibly have war chimes? Because I don't believe that they've ever gone to war before. Mm, But they have.
0: That's what I have here. Okay, so first of all, we established that these motherfuckers love chimes. They gave Adora wind chimes. Now they have four chimes. They love drum circles. These people are all about percussive instruments. Indeed. Second of all, they have a history of a standing army because they were part of the original rebellion. Okay. So, you know, Perfuma was not old enough to be part of the rebellion, but the princess before her was. And it also kind of shows that they do have a history and a culture with, as a standing army because of that. And Perfuma retreated from the trauma of the rebellion's loss mm. to be like, whoa, like sh- they took it pretty hard. And they were like, whoa, you know what? Nope.
1: <laughs> Backing up here. I'll, I'll buy that. So Also, if they have war chimes,
0: that means that they've been to war or, you know.
1: Right, but that's what I was saying. Like, it seems silly that these hippie fucks would have war chimes. No, I've met, like... I'm saying this as a hippie, by yeah, the way. Totally. I'm not hating on hippies. I am a massive hippie. <laughs> I, I just want to make it very clear that when I talk about the hippie fucks, I'm including myself in that.
0: I am extending all of my love and appreciation and support to Jenny. Thank you. But I am not a
1: hippie. <laughs> no, you're not. No. Okay, so the war chimes are legit. We accept that. Yep.
0: And also, let's go back to can we go back to adora kicking so much fucking ass of course oh my god she Fuck yeah. kicks so much ass mm-hmm. so first of all she's doing on the ground tactician work right
1: oh yeah super important
0: so they're on the ground and you know they're they're you know taking cover and adora immediately goes into uh, leadership mode how many soldiers can you take this is field commander stuff. She's assessing the skills mm-hmm. of her team before assigning tasks.
1: Mm-hmm. But she's finding out that the skills of her team are not going to get the job done. No, because Bo says none and Glimmer says all. But give me a minute, right? Yeah. She says, I'll take them all if you give me a minute, yeah. which actually means none. Yeah. Until she jumps in head first. Yes. But, you know, realistically, yeah. it's not going to happen. So as a tactician, this is like the
0: least useful information for Adora.
1: Good thing here comes the flower child plant army. Oh my God,
0: the plant benders are crushing it.
1: Yes. And you know what? Plants are actually a totally effective weapon of war. Absolutely. On this scale?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: Fuck yeah.
0: yeah. I love how Perfuma comes into her own strength as, because she comes into her strength twofold. She comes into her strength as a person that recognizes that she can fight back, And also, Mm -hmm. she comes into her own strength as somebody who can fucking destroy walls with vines. Yeah. And actually comes in not only as somebody that wants to, you know, has fight in them in terms of the desire to defend, but is also a, like, physically, with the manifestations of her powers, a badass.
1: Oh, yeah. And my favorite thing about her power, and this again speaks to what a big hippie fuck I am, I love how powerful she is, and her powers don't physically injure anyone. Her powers aren't gonna kill people. She's not shooting bullets. She's taking everything down with vines.
0: She's taking things down. She's not taking
1: people like, down. Like she's gonna destroy your yeah. yeah, she's gonna destroy your shit, fuck up all your shit, but like she's not killing anybody. Mm-hmm. Not even injuring anybody. No.
0: Nope. I mean, she'll like hang up, she'll like grab him by the ankles and hang him upside down and be like, no, you.
1: <laughs> no, sure, sure. Yeah. Restraining is great, but she doesn't have to hurt anybody in order to get the job done. Exactly. And that's fantastic. She's great. And, she's great.
0: And she's never felt so alive. She loves an yes. ass kicking. Oh
1: my God. She has discovered a whole new side of herself. Ugh, and it's so in badass. In this moment. And now these guys with their plant warfare have... Made enough of a distraction for Adora to go transform back into Shira, And for Etheria, she destroys the poison machine. And
0: lets Perfuma go whole fucking hog and just wreck shit.
1: Oh yeah, because now, you know, the poison is gone. All the plants are back to full 100% power.
0: Yeah, so She-Ra ultimately does help them bring the plants back. Yeah. But she does it with the power of Adora.
1: That is very true.
0: Aw, sweet baby Adora. You're useful after all. And people Mm -hmm. love
1: you for you. Exactly. For who you are. And I really did get choked up watching the green world overtake the evil, you know, the evil metal construct that was powerful. It really was.
0: And it's just more perfume than just being a fucking badass. I love I love when she yeah. plant bends the leaves, the vines through the scours in the earth where you see like the chemicals and the, the toxins and she mm. like she turns them into vines. Yeah. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not just that she's using her plants as a weapon, she can transform things that are poison back into Things that are alive. Yep,
0: she heals her own lands.
1: Yeah, so right now that she's riding the adrenaline high, is the perfect time to ask her, "Hey, how about joining this princess alliance?" And she's like, "Didn't
0: that go like really crappy
1: before?" And Glimmer's like, "Yeah, for our parents, yeah, but we clearly are stronger together." Yep, and all Perfuma needs to know now is, "Will I get to hit more people with flowers?"
0: And of course, Glimmer, the person who is all about fist to face sparkles and hitting people with seemingly innocuous objects says absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, Glimmer's your yes woman.
0: Yeah, also Glimmer's your yes woman when it comes to hitting anybody.
1: Yeah, whatever you want to bring to the fight, Glimmer's all for it. Yeah, Glimmer's like, fuck yeah, you do. And now Perfuma says to all of her people, hey, everybody, we're mighty rebels now and everybody cheers. And
0: Perfuma's like, yeah, I get to fuck shit up now. Yeah. And we all love it. We do. We are so excited that we got to meet Perfuma, who I'm sure is going to be a wonderful character moving forward. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. The first of many to come. The first of many to come. But now we have to go back to the Fright Zone. Yep. Oh, sweet baby Catra. Sweet baby Catra is called back into Shadow Weaver's evil inner sanctum one more time, so Shadow Weaver can yell at her again about how the siege on Clemyria failed. You know, the one Hordak told Shadow Weaver to finish off Yeah, already. And somehow it's Catcher's fault. Catcher had nothing to do with the siege.
0: No, of course, it's Catcher's fault. Yeah.
1: It's Catcher's fault because the troops were attacked by Adora and she What? What? I'm not sure at this moment. I don't know what other people think. Does Shadow Weaver still think Adora and she are separate people?
0: No. That's definitely implied that she doesn't, because you literally so on the, the grainy staticky TV, Adora walks off and She-Ra comes back on. And the way that she says Adora and She-Ra, it's pointed. She totally knows. Okay. She totally knows.
1: And now I, I will accept that. And now here comes the final gayest moment nomination. We all know that we all know. That when Catra says, she's just confused, it's a phase, I swear, that that's hella gay. Yeah,
0: no, I have that too. Of course you do. And also that she's still protecting Adora.
1: Mm-hmm. So she's still protecting
0: Adora and being like, no, nah, no, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. Exactly.
1: No, no, exactly. Of course she's protecting Adora.
0: It, it's just Cat- everything Katra does is extraordinarily gay.
1: Yeah. Katra is very gay. Yeah. Gayest nomination. Katra. Catra. Catra. <laughs> There you go. There we go. There it is. Show's over, and we haven't really settled on a clear winner this time. So should we re- should we review them for a moment? I think so. Yeah, Jenny do you do you have them as listed out? Um, I did, but I don't ha- I don't remember your first one now. Oh my. Okay,
0: so my first one is um crystals, crystals everywhere, yet not a drop uh, to channel. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so there was all the crystals, and there was the gay ass war room chairs, yep. and there was. Catra's adorable drawing of Shira. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then saying, you
0: know, she left me.
1: Yes, coupled with her saying she left me, and then there was Perfuma's massive hero crush on Shira, coupled with Shira's "Hey ladies, <laughs> smile." Bing sparkle smile. And
0: she uses the hey ladies voice. She's like, "I'm Shira and I'm here to help you ladies."
1: Well, no, but the smile it pops yeah. and you know, it shines and the sparkle, like all of that.
0: Everything about that.
1: And then this last one is Katra saying she's just confused. It's just a phase, I swear, which is both, you know, ironically funny and also she's still protecting Adora. And she's
0: still protecting Adora.
1: I'm not sure if any of those are a clear head and shoulders above any of the others. What do you think? It's hard because they're all really gay. It's just an ocean of gay.
0: My, my inkling is that when in doubt, go with a catcher moment. Oh, for sure. So I think we should choose between the two catcher moments. And I think...
1: I mean, if there's any choice between those two, I got to go with the drawing.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Because she then says, she left me. But the
1: drawing also. Well, yeah, the two of them it's together. It's not subtle. No, yeah. it's not subtle at all. No. All right. Congratulations, Katra, and your drawing. You're both getting trophies. Congratulations! Katra. you are just the gayest, and we love it's you. It's a big moment for you.
0: <laughs> it's a series of big moments for you.
1: A series! There's going to be so many more. I hope you have a lot of room for trophies. Oh. So that is it. We've got all of our gayest moments. Catra nah. promises to bring Adora back because now she's scared that if she doesn't bring Adora back, Shadow Weaver is going to do it and she's going to do it way uglier. Yeah. So Catra promises to bring Adora back. But Shadow Weaver says, that's right. You fucking better. No matter how long it takes, no matter where Adora goes, my shadow spies will follow her. Nah. That's not obsessive at all.
0: No, nah, it's not obsessive at all.
1: That's just like normal routine. Yeah. Going after an AWOL soldier. totally. After your big daddy commander in chief has told you to drop it like two or three times at least already. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: But so if this still totally is following orders because she's not doing anything. The shadow spies are the ones doing it.
0: Exactly. So so
1: it still counts. It's fine. So we, then we go back to Bright Moon. Oh my gosh. These guys are exhausted, but at least that they met their objective. Yep. They're happy and exhausted. Yep, so
0: they're there. They go back to Bright Moon, they're tired and they're going back to Dora's room and
1: oh. What happens when Adora walks into her real mess? Oh Who does she find?: Her friends are there for a her sleepover. Are there. And they got her a new bed. Because they know that she was uncomfortable in the fancy bed. in, a, yeah. in the big, really
0: comfy looking bed and that she's never slept in a room by herself. So they're all
1: hanging out together. Yeah. They're going to have a slumber party. And we can do this again every night if you want. Oh. And
0: Glimmer says that, you know, she's grounded, but only for a week. And mom is... Which is three weeks
1: less than usual. Three weeks less than
0: usual. And hey, mom actually thinks that this plan could be really cool.
1: Yes. So overall, highly successful mission for everybody involved. Because everybody
0: worked together and realized that they had strength in themselves the entire time. Adora Mm -hmm. realized it. Perfuma realized it. Glimmer and Bo realized the team can all do it together. Everybody realized how strong
1: they were together. That's true. So everybody's going to sleep with a smile.
0: Yep. And Adora says, thank you. I might not ever be the perfect hero. Everybody wants to be, wants me to be, but that's okay. And Glimmer's like, of course it is. Do you know how annoying you would be if you were perfect? And they're yeah. just really good friends Solid. at this moment. And so, of course. And they're
1: pillow fighting. They're pillow fighting.
0: And of course, Bo has to point out how lovely their friends, how lovely they are as friends.
1: Best friend squads having a pillow fight. <laughs> is- Adora's not ready to commit. Yeah. To this moniker, yeah. And
0: Glimmer brings up another line that I adore in this. Oh, yeah, Which is, I prefer the Glimmer, the group. Glimmer group, and uh, I also prefer the Glimmer Group, which is a fist-to-face Sparkles consulting firm.
1: <laughs> of course it is. I was going to say it's a bit too corporate for my taste. Oh,
0: no, I love it. No, it's, so it's either a fist-to-face, so the Glimmer Group. All right. So it's either a fist-to-face Sparkles uh, consultant firm or an extremely noodly crappy jazz trio. Ooh. You
1: make those both sound very appealing.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're both awesome, right? Who doesn't... I'm
1: leaning more towards the jazz trio, but only because I want to go to
0: the club and listen to them. I will not go to the club and listen to them for four seconds and be like, this is the worst band I've ever seen.
1: Aww, and they go down the street. On, you don't know. Oh, definitely. Like oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that if they name themselves the Glimmer Group, they're not going to be a good jazz trio. Oh, we're specifically saying it's these three. No, I'm saying a group named the Glimmer Group is not going to appeal to me as a jazz trio.
1: Okay, well, I'm just saying we don't know yet how good their music is. I'm
0: just saying if there's a really good pizza shop down the street, you'll probably find me there after sitting and listening in for the Glimmer Group. All right. All right.
1: Either way, that's not going to happen either. They are the best friend squad. And it's a happily ever after good night kind of moment. Yeah.
0: Hey, Jenny. Hey, Meth. What did we learn today?
1: Well, we have learned a few things. Number one, we have learned that democracy is fragile and sieges are scary as shit. They're scary. We have learned this in a few different ways, as much as we've joked about it today. We have also learned that Perfuma is hella queer and a thousand times more badass than the Lorax. Definitely. We have learned that everyone thinks they should be perfect, but no one really is, not even a princess of power.
0: I am still in lots of therapy to understand that for myself, but please continue.
1: (laughs) Everyone is worried that they should be perfect. Not everybody else, just themselves. Just themselves. And we've also seen that they all work really well together as a team. Yeah. So maybe we should keep building this team. Yeah, I think maybe we should have more princesses of
0: power. I think you're right. Absolutely. I wonder where the next episode will take us. I don't know. I cannot foresee it. Oh, no, you did I definitely did. Oh, that was cheesy. I'm a horrible person.
1: That's okay. I love it. I love it. And maybe next week we're going to meet more than one new character. Maybe. Maybe we'll even meet more than two. Maybe. Maybe we'll even meet three new characters in the next episode. Wouldn't that be cool? I think that would be pretty cool. If you like
0: what you heard and you want to join us in more gay screaming, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fixed. We appreciate a like and a review on iTunes as it makes our gay screaming louder. Super louder. Super louder. You can also email us at heyadoracast at gmail.com and tell me how much of a cheeseball I am. Or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at heyadoracast. So I have been making playlists for each episode. This week's episode playlist, Flowers for Shira," is available on Spotify right now. Spoiler alert, it's all songs about plants
1: fuck yeah it's
0: so dope it's pretty fun you can find the link in our show notes or by visiting our site at heyadora.gay and remember queer joy is radical
1: and queer love saves the universe